Just say this with me. Say it like it's yours. Just say, Father, Father right, now, right now, I receive everything, I receive everything you, have for me. you have for me. I receive everything, I receive everything you, want me you want for me this morning, this morning. and this week, and this week. In, Jesus' name. in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 When you get that as a reality, uh, there's something else I want you to see uh, before we get going. Is that when there's a difference between knowing things in your head and getting them alive inside of you in your spirit, in your heart. Okay, A lot of times you can have a mental understanding uh, and you think that you're there. But there's something different that happens when that thing comes alive inside of you. All of a sudden you have an expectation. And it's like protection. Uh, protection for me, there was times where I, fe I feared different things. Uh, but then all of a sudden, I just had a revelation. It came alive inside of me. No, the devil can't touch me, right? And when I got that on the inside of me, I'm a kept person. Well, you're just as kept as I am. The only difference is you might not have, an, it might not be alive inside your heart like it is in mine. You might know that God wants to protect you, but it's different when that knowledge drops into revelation in your heart, right? And so when you get that, all of a sudden, the, the devil, he has a hard time with believers that do that kind of stuff. And so when we start getting in, I'm receiving something today. And you don't just know it in your head, but you know it in your heart. You become the kind of person that God can't leave alone. Like, he's got to get something to you. He's got to release something to you, right? That's, that's the way it is. So we want to learn about the things first, but we want to then meditate on them until it becomes alive in us. And that's really when it says faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word, by the rhema, by the revelation. The alive word is what that's talking about. When it goes from just being head knowledge and factual knowledge and trivial knowledge to when it drops down as revelation, on the inside of your heart, all of a sudden the Bible and all of its power, it just comes alive inside of you and it's real. A lot of people have been in church all their life and they have a head knowledge about the things of God, but they don't have that heart knowledge and they don't see those things. And then they think that God was telling just stories. He, he wasn't telling the truth. And it's because they don't understand the relationship between their head and their heart. And then that's how it becomes alive. Amen. Amen. Glory to God. Well, welcome this morning. We've been in the series called The Great Sermon. And uh, if you'll look at your handout, uh, you'll see on here the full notes. You can go to notes.bclife.org if you're watching online. If you're on Facebook, uh, you can just go to notes.bclife.org. Uh, if you're here, you can actually little scan that little thing and it'll take you to that page. On those notes, these notes that are printed out and in your hand, they're like half of them, uh, maybe a quarter. And uh, we're pretty scripture intensive today. And, but you can see all of them at the website in that way. And uh, so let's just, we've been in the series called The Great Sermon. But today with everything that was going on this week with the hurricane, Hurricane Florence, Hurricane Flo, um, she did. <laughs> she, she, she done died. Amen. And uh, everything that was going on with her, I, I got so irritated about the middle of the week because, oh my goodness, all the, 
apocalyptic headlines that were out there. It's like they, I mean, you'd have thought the devil himself manifested uh, every part of them off of the coast of North Carolina. And he was going to start in North Carolina and tear across the whole world. I mean, it was just, reading some of those headlines, it was the most fearful headlines I've read and, and you've got to understand that fear is not of God. Fear is of the enemy, the devil. And listen, this world uses fear, right? And you, I want you to understand these two things. The world uses fear to make money. They fear of loss. You go to a car dealership. Well, uh, I know you want this car, but listen, I got two other people talking, talking to me about this car right now. If you don't buy now, I can't promise it. I mean, I'll try to hold it for you, but I can't. That's fear of loss, right? And the world uses fear to make money. Well, yeah, here comes this great storm. It's going to be catastrophic across the whole of the southeast. And it's going to level everything and, and this and that and everything else. And they build it up this much. Why? Because there's ads on that page. And every time you click on there to see the update, they get paid. And so if it becomes, keeps being catastrophic, apocalyptic, you'll keep coming back. So even when it started dying down, they didn't stop. They just kept on going with that stuff. And, and you've got to understand, the world uses fear to make money. Yep. But listen, the devil uses fear to destroy lives. Because where, where the devil uses it is, he knows, and this is the very first thing, fear removes the power of God from your life. So what the devil does is he starts getting you in fear, worry, anxiety, so that you will drop the revelation that God is good, and all of a sudden now he can run and, and he can reign in your life instead of the power of God. So you've got to recognize it when the devil tries to attack, whether it be through your own mind or whether it be through you know, headlines that people put out or whatever. You know, you've got to watch these things because... Listen, just because a person says that they're Christian doesn't mean that they operate by kingdom principles. I remember one time, one of the first times it really became a revelation to me. I was driving through Greensboro and uh, there was a sign. There was a sign on the highway and it said, no education, no future. Well... See, we may see that as being partially true. It may be somewhat factual. But here's the problem. In other words, if I don't have an education, there's an absolutely no way I've got a promising future. That's a lie. That's fear trying to get me to go do something somebody wants me to do. It doesn't matter. What you have to understand is your future is not based on your education. Your future is not based on your job. Your future is based on God alone. God Almighty who has great plans for you to give you a future and a hope. It's based on Him. It's based on Him. The world is constantly trying to push you the way that they want you to go. I remember uh, as a kid thinking about college, and I remember thinking college, you could go to college for like, you know, a, a standard thing for four years or so for at least, at the, at the most, like $25,000. Like that's laughable today. That's like one year. Yeah. 
I mean, it, by the time most people are done with student loans, I don't know what the figure is, but I know it's pushing six figures. Easy. I remember you could go, and it seems like when I was little, 10, 10 to 25,000 is what you know, we were talking about saving up to go to college. Yeah, listen, people make big money off of that stuff. They make big money off of people's fear. Now, I'm not saying that, that education's wrong. I'm not saying that it was, not, that it was wrong uh, to make preparations for the hurricane. Of course I'm not saying that. It's right to be wise as serpents, but harmless as doves. But we don't operate in those ways because the world fears us into it. We operate it because the one with who our future is set, we listen to him, hear from him, and as we're obedient to him, we'll step into the blessing of God. I'll tell you, every, every pastor I talk to that has any, any kind of knowledge about this word um, and who God is and his character, every single one of them, I said, uh, where are you at on this hurricane? They said, I am at perfect peace. I'm like, I am too. I've got no, no fear about this thing at all. I don't think it's going to be anywhere close to what they said. So then the headlines start coming out and everything. I mean, it's just fear mongering. It's just, it's just trying to get people to move. Do you know how much money people spent to get ready for something? Oh my goodness, at the very least, the bread companies had a great month. <laughs> I mean, the bread companies made a killing this month. I mean, geez. Bread sandwiches, for, it's like, when do we feed those to the hurricane, by the way? Everybody's going to have like five loaves of bread in it. Like, what are you storing it up for? Anyhow, anyhow, it's good to be wise. It's good <laughs> to feed the ducks when they come by. Here you go. Uh, <laughs> it's good to be wise. But listen, your wisdom doesn't come from the internet. Your wisdom doesn't come from uh, people's headlines. Your wisdom comes from the Lord. Fear is not of God. Fear is the enemy of God. Fear is the enemy of God. The world uses fear to make money. Sure does. But you have to understand, the devil keeps pushing people. Look, it works. It yeah. works. Why? Because people fall for it. Yep. People fall for fear. Why? Because they, they're not on top of it. They don't know that they can be on top of it because they don't know the word. They don't know who God is. They don't, they don't trust in him at that level. I, I've heard it said before. I've heard mom say, and um, don't write me any letters, any bad letters. But, oh man, this is so wrong. The world uses fear because it works. It will sell things. It will make them money. But you have to understand, there's a power that's pushing them out of their greed to push fear. Because when it works in the financial and in the physical for the world system, it works in the spiritual for the devil. And he is pushing that. Remember it says in the last days they will say peace and safety, right? What is that? What they're saying is let's do everything to make everything safe. Let's make it where nobody ever gets hurt. What is that? That's fear. That's pushing fear to make it... Listen, you're not called to always be in what the world calls a safe place. The Lord will send you into places that look dangerous. He'll send you into a storm to calm it, to bring peace to it. That doesn't look safe to the world. 
But the devil will use fear to keep you out of doing anything from the Lord. We've been talking about persecution. Think about the persecution that will cause you to not share the gospel with people. That's fear of what people will think. That's fear of that persecution. And we've got to understand the devil uses fear to cause destruction. He causes anxiety. I've heard, like I said, don't write me bad letters, but listen. I've heard moms get up and say that you are not a good mom. You can't be a mom and not worry about your kids. That, that is a lie. Matter of fact, you are not being the best mom you can be because you're giving yourself to fear and there is no fear in love and God is love. In other words, if I give myself to fear, am I best suited in God or outside of God? I'm best suited and protected and my kids are best protected in God. So if I leave God to go over to where fear is, that's the worst thing I can do for my kids. That's not being a good mom. It's being a mom that doesn't know who God is and the promises. And I'm telling you today, I'm I'm opening up this way because I want to have your attention. But I want you to know that if you've lived in that place of fear and anxiety, you don't have to live there anymore. Because God has a future and a hope for you. He's got good news. And you can come up out of those places where the pressure of fear has kept you in bondage for all these years because God loves you and there's no fear where he's at and you, he wants you to come up here come up to the place where there's no fear in that in there now the devil try to put condemnation on you because you've been there look you're learning now hey here's the thing the bad thing would not be uh, that you didn't know and you stay there the bad thing would be that you find out this is true and then you stay there right You want to make sure, all right, I'm learning something now and I will not stay where I've been. I will come. He'll try to use fear and anxiety to get you to drop the protection of faith in God and all of a sudden try to bring things. So I'm I'm telling you this message, fear, anxiety, and love. What about them? Here's the thing. Right now you may have fear and anxiety trying to weigh on you, trying to get you to drop your faith in God. Don't let it happen. No, stand up against it. The devil's trying to bully you into this. I don't know how it's going to work out. I don't know what to do. I don't know this. I don't know that. Oh my goodness, what's to do? And all it is is just simple fear tactics. And you've got to put those things in their place. Because God's saying, look, you might not know what to do. But I know what to do. And I love you. And I'm not going to leave you there. Amen? Because that's a loving father that he is. Glory to God. So let's look at this. The first thing is, look, fear removes the power of God from our lives. Basically, fear, when we give ourselves to fear, it will cripple the supernatural power of God. Let's look at this one story, uh, Matthew 14, 25. Matthew 14, 25. It says, but the boat was already a long distance from the land, battered by the waves, for the wind was contrary. And in the fourth watch of the night, he came to them walking on the sea. So the the boat with the disciples was already a good way from the land. Then here comes Jesus, you know, just strolling along on the sea. When the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were terrified. And they said, it's a ghost. And they cried out in what? In fear. But immediately Jesus spoke to them saying, 
Take courage, it is I, do not be afraid. Now, why is he telling them this? Look, you'll notice that almost every time when Jesus shows up or when fear tries to come up, if Jesus is there, he'll say, fear not. Don't be afraid. The angels, when the shepherds were afraid, what did the angels say to the shepherds? Fear not, don't be afraid, right? What did he say to Jairus, uh, whose daughter, they said, he said, my daughter's about to die. Then they came, somebody from the house and said, don't trouble the master anymore, your daughter's dead. Well, that's pretty bad news. Your daughter's dead. What did Jesus tell Jairus? Fear not. Why? Because he knows fear cancels the power of God operating in your life. It will kill the manifestation of the supernatural power. And aren't we the people that need the supernatural power of God? Aren't, isn't the supernatural power of God supposed to be on display in our lives? But look, it won't be on display if we give in to fear. It won't happen. All right? So he says, look, don't fear. Peter said to him, Lord, if it's you, command me to come to you on the water. Now, they were fearful just a second ago. I love Peter's boldness here. You know, it, it, here he is walking on the water. The wind and the waves are happening. But Peter still says, tell me to come. I love that. But then he says, Peter, he said, come. And Peter got out of the boat and walked on the water and came towards Jesus. Now, I want you to see something. This is the supernatural power of God. Peter's walking on the water. Splash, 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 right? He's walking on supernatural power of God. It's in effect. It's happening. It's manifesting. Is there something in your life that you need or want the supernatural power of God manifesting? God's got it. He wants to get it to you. But here he is. He's in it. He's not waiting on the power of God to manifest. It's happening. The power of God is happening. Peter's walking on the water. Then all of a sudden he changes his focus. And he sees the wind. He became frightened and beginning to sink. He cried out, Lord, save me. So what happened? He focused not on Jesus anymore, but he focused on the wind and the waves. He focused on the physical. What happened? Fear came in, and what happened to the power of God? It went away. Fear removes the power of God in our lives. So then he says, Immediately Jesus stretched out his hand and took hold of him and said to him, You of little faith, why did you doubt? So he gets on to Peter. Why? Because he feared. Because he doubted. He gets on to him. He corrects him. Why? Because he knows fear cancels the supernatural power of God. He knows it. When they got into the boat, the wind stopped. I I need somebody. uh, Jadis, will you come with me? Because... I need more your size. I don't need David's size for this one. And uh, I I need, let's come up here. All right, so now just stand right there. All right, so here he is. Jesus walking on the water. Just kind of paint this picture here. And uh, Jesus walking on the water. Let's set this over. They did so good to put that where it goes. Amen. Jesus walking on the water. What's up, fellas? How you doing? Splish, splash, right? And then all of a sudden, Peter goes, hey, if that's you, tell me to come. He says, come. All of a sudden, uh, here comes, he does, Peter steps up onto the water. Woo-hoo-hoo. 
He's supernatural walking on the water, right? Supernatural walking on the water. That's awesome. Peter's experiencing the supernatural power of God as long as he's focused on Jesus. <laughs> Amen? But then all of a sudden he looks around. He sees the wind and the waves. He's like, uh, fear comes. The power of God that was already there and in operation now gets canceled because of fear. This is what the devil's after. He, he doesn't care about you. He just wants to see the power of God canceled and he wants to see you beat up, destroyed. He wants to see stealing, killing, and destroying in your life. That's it. And God's saying, look, if you want to walk in who I am and is it who he is, great and magnificent, yes. But if you want to walk, you can't have fear. It is an enemy to the things of God and it is an enemy to you. And it is an enemy to God. You've got to have the revelation. You must get the revelation that fear is an enemy of yours. Fear is an enemy of God. And it is an enemy of the power of God. You cannot let it stay there. You've got to deal with it. You must deal with it. And what's interesting is, all right, so then he starts to sing. Do, 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 bloop, 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 bloop. Right, And then all of a sudden, he's down. Now notice, none of the other disciples stepped out of the boat. But then, none of the other disciples messed up either. Don't be afraid to mess up. Don't be afraid to step out of the boat. Do something. Do something. Trust God. Hear from him. I mean, he walked on the water because he heard from the Lord. Not because he just thought, well, if he can do it, I can do it. You know, no, he heard Jesus commanded, come. When he, when he spoke that word, all the power was there for him to step up. But then all of a sudden he messed up. He started fearing. He got in fear. He look, took his eyes off of Jesus. He looked at the winds and the waves and bloop, 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 right? And then all of a sudden, but you notice it doesn't say that like Jesus was like, well, that was a good try. See you later, Peter. Hey, have a good one. You know, that's not what happened. He says, immediately Jesus stuck his hand out and he helped him. See, you, we got to understand we have a Savior. Now, now, we don't get in presumption where we just assume we can go do whatever we want to and Jesus will save us. No. You, you need to be operating in obedience. But if you're seeking to be operating in obedience, you mess up. The mercy of God's going to be there. To pick you up and pull you back up. And notice that it says, and then they got back in the boat. They got back in the boat. Now, I want to paint a picture for you. Because have you ever asked the question like, all right, they were walking on the water. And they weren't in the boat. And now all of a sudden they got back in the boat. Like, what happened in between the time where he was in the water and the time he got back into the boat? I mean, it looks like. He helped them. I just can't imagine this. Here, will you just lay down on the floor like with your head this way and your feet that way? He's in the water. Like I don't, I don't imagine. This is why I needed not David's us. All right. I can't imagine Jesus going, oh, Peter, come on. I just don't imagine that. I imagine what happened. You know, Peter's like, blah, blah. You know, and, and just like trying to breathe. No, he said, come on and let's walk back to the boat. I got you. 
You know, because that's not the heart of God. Like, well, you, you screwed up, so let's just let you, you know, hold you under a little bit longer so you learn the point. That's not a merciful Savior, right? <laughs> no, thank you, sir. <laughs> no, he's a merciful God. Come on, let me show you how to get in victory. Get out of fear. Get out of fear. And I'll show you how the power of God's designed to operate in your life. It's designed to operate in you. In you. Amen. Now look, fear removes the power of God from our life. You know, over in Job, a lot of people think that, that God did that stuff to Job. Uh, but it, I, I wrote this scripture down, Job 3.25. It says this, in the King James it says, For the thing I greatly feared is come upon me. You remember in chapter 1? Chapter 1 said, now listen, the devil's own words to the Father. You have a hedge of protection against him. I can't touch him. Now there's a promise in that. As long as God's hedge of protection is up around you, the devil's got nothing for you. The devil's got nothing for you. But when Job started operating in fear... Just like the power of God to walk on the water sunk, Job, by his own self, dropped the hedge, dropped the power of God's protection in his life. And that's how the devil was able to touch him. The thing I greatly feared. Oh, that's the problem right there. There's the issue. The thing I greatly feared. Now, look, Job didn't, probably didn't know how all this stuff worked. And matter of fact, he goes on to say some stuff that's not right. And later on, he repents. He says, Lord, I said things about you I didn't know what I was saying. I said wrong things about you. And then, but he says some, he says some things right, you know. He says, the thing I greatly feared has come upon me, and the thing which I was afraid of is come unto me. In other words, he had fear in his life and he didn't deal with it. And fear opened up the door. It canceled the power of God in his life. It canceled that protection. You remember in the other storm on the sea, Jesus is asleep. Disciples are in the boat. The storm comes up. This is a life-taking, life-threatening storm. And they go wake up Jesus because they are fearful for their lives. And all of a sudden he says, peace, be still. And then he gets on to the disciples. He's, he doesn't come up there, peace, be still. Oh, well, disciples, I understand. You know, it, looked, it did look pretty bad. I mean, my goodness, that was like waves, wow, big ones. He didn't, no, that's not what he did. What did he do? He rebuked them. Why? Because the one thing that cancels the power you can be guaranteed is when you give in to fear. When you give in to it. So if the devil knew that fear has this potential, don't you think he's going to be a pusher of it? Because he wants to see the power of God stopped in your life. But don't we want the supernatural power of God? Don't we need the power of God? Oh man, we absolutely, we need the power of God in our lives. We've got to have the power of God. But it doesn't work where fear is. Yeah. So that means we have the responsibility 
to deal with that fear and not let fear cancel those things. Because not only for our own lives, but look, when we start operating in those things, you know, all of a sudden, I, I, some of you um, have heard this story before, but some of you haven't. You know, one day we're out working at, uh, at my house. I was putting up a light that was somebody from the church there. And uh, about that time, uh, their son was there as well. And about that time, uh, the clouds start to churn. And the son goes, um, Dad, is that a funnel cloud? Like, is that a tornado? I'm like, well, that kind of caught my attention, you know. And uh, we turn around, and literally you can see the funnel forming. You can see the clouds doing like this. I mean, it was right there, you know. And I went, now... You've got one of two choices in that matter. I just have something bad directed towards us and in our realm of influence, right? Now, I've got to know, you see, if I'm a fearful person, I'm like, oh, God, you know, and I'm running, right? If I haven't learned how to deal with fear. But if I've learned how to deal with fear, you do what I did that day. No! In the name of Jesus, you be dissolved now. And that thing went and dissolved. Now, here's the thing. To me, I was expecting it to do that, right? And, and I think, and, but the people around me, they were going like this. You know, big eyes. Why? Because that was a testimony. God wants to move that way, not just in a pastor's life, in a believer's life. In a believer's life, he wants to move that way. And when, it, when the power of God moves like that, because we've dealt with fear, all of a sudden that is a testimony to the goodness of God. God didn't want that thing destroying. And whose hands is the earth in? It's in ours. God has given us authority. The heavens are the heavens of the Lord. I'm talking about the spiritual places of God. But the earth he has given unto the sons of men. That he's given me and you the earth. That falls within our realm. It's our job to operate and bring the supernatural power of God so that stealing, killing, and destroying doesn't happen on our watch. We've got to take responsibility for it. But it starts with dealing with fear. Dealing with it. Fear removes the power of God. We must get revelation. I said this already. We must get revelation that fear is our enemy. Fear is not your friend. It's your enemy. You can be wise about things and not be fearful over them. In other words, I'm very wise to go and not put my hand on a hot plate on the stove when it's turned on. I'm very wise about that. But I'm not fearful over it. When I, when I climb high things, I'm very wise to have three points of contact. But I'm not fearful over it. And if I feel fear coming on, then I deal with that fear. I deal with it. I don't let it stay there. Because if I let it stay there, it cancels the power of God. You know, and we may laugh about certain things. Well, I've always feared that ever since I was a child. It doesn't matter how big or how little the fear is. It could be I'm fearful of you know, sound dampeners on the wall. Well, that's not a big thing to most people. But if you let that fear sit there, at some point it cancels the power of God in your life because you're letting something that has nothing to do with God have a place. And that's not godly. We've got to deal with it. 
Let's, let's read this. Uh, 1 John chapter 4. First John chapter 4 and verse 7. And let, let's just, I'll give a little bit of commentary along the way, but let's just, let's just look at what it says. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God, and everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. So now, the very first thing out of the gate, are we commanded to love? Yes. Absolutely. Are you commanded to love? Yes. All right, let's just remember that. We are commanded to love. The one who does not love does not know God, for God is love. So the second thing, we're commanded to love. We're commanded, and God is love. In other words, we're commanded to bring love into the situation. In other words, we're commanded to bring God into situations. We're commanded to do that. And here's the thing. Can we love without knowing Him? No. And there's a lot of people that don't know Him and they think that they're in love. They actually have, they have emotions, they have feelings, but they're not actually moving in, super, in godly love. Because the world has different words for love. They're operating in one of them, but they're not operating in the God kind of love. They're not operating in that. It says, the one who does not love does not know God. Describing that's another message, but just give you a teaser and we can talk about it later. Verse 9, by this the love of God was manifested in us, that God has sent His only begotten Son into the world so that we might live through Him. So the plan of God is for us to have life to the full till it overflows, that we might live in Christ. We might live. That means if we're going to live in Christ, then we must bring God into our lives, bring Him into the areas of our life, and not just a few. Not just a few. I read an article just yesterday, and it was talking about how uh, they, they didn't mix sexual things and spirituality. What? In other words, what they were saying was, uh, I'm not bringing spiritual things into my sex life. What? But this is the idea that we have is that, well, that's my private life. No, no. God needs to be in every area. And when we bring Him into every area of our lives, the fullness of life can start to rise up out of us. And God can basically manifest Himself, manifest the good future that He has for us. But it's, it's conditional upon us desiring and acting on bringing him into those areas of our life. So some people, uh, they'll, they'll say that they trust God, but then they don't let God get into their finances. They don't, they don't, they're not a giver. They're not whatever. Uh, or they won't let them get into their finances to help pay the bills. They, say, they would say that they would, but as soon as something comes up that scares them about their bill, they kick God out because they move to fear. Instead of moving to faith, which allows God in to help with the situation. If we'll let God in, God can then manifest himself. And it's good. He wants to bring us, give us life in every way. In this is love, not that we love God, but that he loved us. 
and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. In other words, look, this is how it worked. It didn't work because you love God first and then he loved you. No, he loved you first and then you loved him. You have to understand which one comes first. The one that gives you the strength to do these things right is God. We've got to receive from him. And once we receive from him, then we are empowered to do the rest of it. We're empowered. We have to receive from him. So listen, if you're not a good receiver of his love, are you going to be a good giver of his love? No. So in other words, if you're sitting there beating yourself up, oh, golly, I know I did so bad, it's so awful, and you're beating yourself up, I don't deserve anything. Well, now, how can God get involved in your life because you're not even willing to receive his mercy? And that's the, that's the deception that the enemy tries to bring. He tries to tell us how bad we are so that we won't be willing to open ourselves up to receive the Lord. That's why Romans 8 says, There's now, therefore, no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Because it's saying, look, even though you messed up, there's the mercy and the grace of God that will help you put down the punishment thinking and put on a great God and receive from Him. And then when you receive from Him, that will empower you to start walking the right way. But most people, and even the church, has focused on it so much. You, you start walking right... And then we'll help you. No, 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 no. That's not how God operates. He loved us. Then we loved him. So we have to get in reception of, Lord, I, receive, I need your help. Anybody ever been at that place in your life? Jesus, help me. <laughs> right? Anybody ever been there besides me? I, I can't do this without you. Well, if we would stay at that place, it would go so much easier for it. But here's what happens. We hit that moment, and then we think we solved it ourselves, and we go on like that never happened. Right? That's the issue. So we're humble for that moment. To receive, everything goes well, but then we get back in pride trying to do it our way. So what we end up doing is like we're going our way, our way, our way, fall. Lord, I need you so bad. He shows up. Oh, Lord, if, boy, if I wouldn't have done this, it wouldn't have turned out right. No, it, had, it wasn't you. It was the power of God and humility that got you. But then we go, oh, our way, our way, our way, fall. Lord, I need you. Help comes, mercy comes, then we go right back to doing the things that cause the fall. But if we would just keep ourselves, our eyes on Jesus like Peter, and we would stay humble, I need you all the time. I can't do a thing without you. But with you, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. If we would keep that attitude about us all the time, we could just walk in the grace and mercy of God all the time. All right, so... He said, verse 10, in this is love, or verse 11, Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. We ought to love one another. In other words, if he loved us, then we ought to do the same. Whether somebody makes us mad or not. If he forgave us, then we ought to forgive him. Forgive them, not God, but forgive them. If, if he loved us, then shouldn't we take the same steps to help get his love to others? This is what it, in evangelism, talking to people about Jesus. It's hard for us to say, oh, I love God, but you never try to get anybody else to his love. 
that doesn't compute. That doesn't go hand in hand. Something's off there, okay? Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. Verse 12, no one has seen God at any time. If we love one another, God abides in love in us, and His love is perfected in us. So in other words, we're moving to a place where it works better and better. His love becomes perfected in us. In other words, has anybody besides me messed up up till this point? Yeah, but should we sit here and beat ourselves up because we messed up? No, God's not even doing that. Why should we do that? God says, no, I'm here to help you. I'll forgive you. If your heart is clear and pure towards me, I'll forgive you. And you'll find help in time of trouble to move on. Stop beating yourself up, but just give yourself to me, right? And then he says, um, his love is perfected. In other words, I'm not expecting you to have it all together when you come to me. I'm expecting that when you come to me, you'll, I'll help get you all together. And there's a difference in how you look at it. Because if you think you've got to have it all together before you come to Christ, you're never coming. You're never coming. That's like they told us, they said, if you want to wait till all your finances are ready before you have your first kid, you ain't never going to have a kid. Right? And we found that to be true. But somehow the mercy of God helped us even when we didn't have enough. Right? We just had to trust the Lord in it and trust him that he was telling us it was time. And when, when we needed finances, they were there. He helped us. We're not dying of starvation. Matter of fact, I'm pretty sure these hurricane days at home with all the snacks need to go away. I didn't even begin to step on the scales this morning. <laughs> Some of y'all know what I'm talking about. <laughs> His love is perfected in us. In other words, let's give ourselves to God and God will give himself to us. Right? Let's choose. Now that we've received him, let's choose to continue giving ourselves and he'll help us. He will help us. Verse 13. By this we know that we abide in him and he in us because he's given us of his spirit. We have seen and testified that the father has sent the son to be the savior of the world. Now this is going to be important. We've seen and testify that he sent his son to be the savior. The savior of what? The savior of the world. But in what areas of your life is he going to be the savior? Everyone you let him. The ones you don't let him, he won't. Most people just think going to heaven is the only place where he saves us. No, he saves us from hurricanes. He saves us from bad reports. He saves us from lack in the bank account. He saves us from sickness. He saves you. Why? Because his character and nature is a savior. He saves. If you need an area of your life that you need saving in, you have a savior. And his love will manifest it in every way. Amen. It will. It'll manifest it everywhere. All right. So he's the Savior. And whoever confesses, verse 15, that Jesus is the Son of God, God abides in him and he in God. Verse 16. For we have come to know and have believed the love which God has for us. God is love and the one who abides in love abides in God and God abides in him. In other words, what he's showing is, look, we haven't just heard that God is love. 
We've gotten it down on the inside of us. We have come to know that we know that we know that God is the love that he says he is. Now see, the devil will try to talk to you and tell you that God doesn't love you. He would have loved you, but you did this. That's condemnation. And he says there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. In other words, what he's saying here is he's saying, look, if you will learn, there's a key. He's a savior and you ought to know that you know that you know God loves me. Oh man, does God love me. God loves me. You know, this is the same John. All the other disciples, you know, basically got martyred. And they made a choice uh, to give their lives in that way. But they couldn't kill John. They couldn't kill him. Historical record shows that they, they tried to boil him in oil and he wouldn't boil. Literally. Historical record. Then, as an 80 or 90, you know, when he got the book of Revelation, he was on the island of Patmos. That, that island was there for convicts, murderers, and thieves. They sent him out there when he was like 80-something years old. I forget exactly how old he is, but he was a really old guy. Like, they sent him there to die. He didn't. He didn't die there. They couldn't kill the man. You know why? Because he's also the disciple who in the book of the gospel of John said, the disciple who Jesus loves. Yep. He got a revelation of how much God loves him and that fear couldn't catch a place in his life. He understood, oh, he loves me. You can't do this. God loves me. Yep. He got a revelation of it. Yeah. That's really good. He got a revelation of it. And what he's saying right here is, I got a revelation of how much God loves, not just me, but how much he loves you. And if you'll get a revelation of how much he loves you, when fear tries to sneak in, you'll be like, Psh, please, please, no, no. Hey, it doesn't have any place here. No. What are you talking about? How many, how many would be honest I did, so I'll tell you up front. How many would be honest that when you read headlines about the hurricane and stuff like that, you had to deal with fear because fear tried to come in? I, I did. I did. But see, you've got to, at that moment, you've got to start paying attention to whose you are and in who are you. You are in Christ. You are His. You, he loves you. And all of a sudden, He's not going to let that. Who can separate you from the love of God? He's not going to let that stuff. This thing can't do what the devil designed for it to do. It can't do it because God loves us. Amen. It's illegal. It's, it, it's crazy if it even thinks that. Not going to happen. Can't do it. Amen. Can't do it. Amen. And we've got to get that not just here, but we've got to get it here. Can't do it. Can't. What the devil designed can't happen because you are kept. I, John 17, he says, I don't ask that you take them out of this world, but that you'll keep them. This is Jesus praying to the Father. Did his prayers get answered? Yeah. yeah. He says, I don't ask that you'll take them out of this world, but keep them from the evil one. Keep them from the evil one. Right? And so here's what's going on. All of a sudden, there's a, here we say, Lord, I believe that. I am kept by your word, by your own prayers, Jesus. The devil can't. I'm kept. He'll try. How will he try? He'll try to give you a big negative headline. Get you in fear. 
where the power of God is then diminished in your life. That's how I'll do it. And if you'll give in to the fear headline instead of the love headline, then you become an easy target. But if you will give yourself to the headline of God's love in your life and get a revelation of just how much he loves you, then when the fear headlines pop up, they'll be so foreign to you like, what are you even trying, devil? You so messed up. That's good. Yeah. Amen. He says, by this, when we start to understand his love, 17, by this, love is perfected with us so that we may have confidence in the day of judgment. Because as he is, so also are we in this world. You realize you are just like Jesus in this world if you'll believe that scripture? You operate on his level. Well, that'll change a ton of things in your life when you start to, when you get that from this knowledge down to heart knowledge. Then it says this, there is no, there's some, no, there's a little bit, Uh, a little worry is good for everybody. No, there's no fear, A, a good mama always fears for her children. No, there's no, no, no fear in love. None. And you've got to make it as solid in you as it is in this word. No, I will not fear. I won't. There's no fear in love, but perfect love isn't he perfecting you. Perfect love casts out fear. In other words, you start to get God operating in your life and revelation knowledge of God. It'll take fear and it'll manhandle it. Right? In other words, all we've got to do is start giving ourselves to this love. There's no fear in love. There's no fear in love. And God is love. Fear involves punishment and the one who fears is not perfected in love. Aren't we commanded to love? Then if we operate in fear, can we be in his perfect love? Aren't we, aren't we commanded to grow in his love and to become like him? Can we become like him with fear in us? No. So we've got to deal with it. We've got to deal with that fear. We've got, to, we've got to say, look, I'm not going to be fearful. But see, you start to understand it says that fear involves judgment. This is why there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Because if you feel condemned over your actions, you feel like you deserve a penalty. But let me tell you, Jesus took the penalty for all on that cross. There's nothing left. If you are in Christ, now I'm not saying if you're outside of Christ, but if you're in Christ, Christ, there's no more punishment left. There's no more punishment left. There's none left because he took it all. And when you start to understand that, it gives you boldness. You start to get confident. And all the devil doesn't like it. But you don't get confident in a worldly, egotistical way. You get confident in the love of God. You get confident in him. No, there's nothing, there's nothing that can happen because God's love is perfected in me. And all of a sudden, perfect love casts out all fear. What do I have to fear? We love because he first loved us. We love because he first loved us. Let's turn to Romans chapter 8 and verse 1. I've been quoting it. I want you to see it.
We're going to talk real quickly. This is not going to be a series. I'm going to finish these notes. In the name of Jesus. But I want you to understand what to do when fear comes. Because it's not, you know, some people would be convicted or condemned because, well, he said there's no fear in love and I've got fear trying to come in my life. I must not be in God. Now that's a lie right there. He says his love is perfected in us. Fear will try to come. It even tried to come uh, to Jesus. It tried to come to Peter. It tried to come to all these guys. But they just learned how to handle it. And we're going to talk about quickly, how do we handle it when fear comes? What do we do when fear comes? And, and here's the reason why. There's, we need to have this message today. There's attacks that are trying to operate and fear that's trying to come in people's lives and it's got no place. We need this message today. And you need to get a hold of it today. You don't need to let one more second, one more minute go by with fear knocking at the door. You need to call the Holy Ghost police. You need to kick him off your front doorstep. Tell him to never come back. And if he does come back, you just keep beating him up. up, But you don't even open the door for him to even begin to get a foothold inside of your life. You deal with him, right? And it's not, you know, he, he's a criminal. The enemy is a criminal. He's going to try to come back. You know, you might even have victory. You might have revelation today about fear. But don't think that in a year from now, he's not going to try and come and say, uh, well, let's see if he still believes that. That's what he does. And listen, just because you get revelation today doesn't mean that you don't need to go back to it and get some more revelation tomorrow and next week and next month. This is why it's important to go back over the things that you've learned before. If you've learned about healing, you know, I've been meaning to say this for quite some time, but we're entering into an area where a lot of the people that have been here for several years, you've heard a lot of the major topics that we've taught and preached on. Uh, And we're our job. The Lord's already told me you're going to go back and hit some of the foundational stuff again because you don't need to get uh, old in it. It needs to be fresh and new and you build yourself up and you go to new levels and just because you heard it once doesn't mean you've heard everything. It's funny how you can go back and listen to the same message and hear more things in it than you heard the first and second and third and fourth and fifth and sixth time and seventh time. You'll hear more and more things. Why? Because you're growing. You're growing. So don't get weary in well doing but go back to those things. It's interesting right now. You know what I'm hearing from all of these major ministers around the world? Here's what the Holy Ghost is saying. You'll hear it this week if you go see Brother Copeland. Here's what the Holy Ghost is saying. Go back to the basics. Get back to the foundational stuff. Get back to the basics. Don't throw it away. Give yourself to the basics. Uh, Jeremy Pearson's had a great word. Uh, He said, you know, when you see somebody in uh, the U.S. Open or Wimbledon or you see in the Super Bowl or you see in the NBA championships, uh, he said, you're not seeing people who have learned all the trick plays and that trick plays is what got them there. You are seeing masters of the basics. We need to become a master of of the basics. It's not complicated. And the basics to God is how much he loves you. 
If you will become a master at knowledge of Him, how much He loves you, fear won't have a chance. And we need to give ourselves to the teachings that are the basics. We need to become masters. Do you want to win the championship in terms of spiritual things? Then you must become masters of the basics. That means you listen to a message that you think you've heard before. But what you'll find is, I didn't know everything I thought I knew. There's more to it. Why? Because God's so, uh, his, the depth of God is so big, you think you're going to exhaust Him? If you heard a message, the same one, a hundred times, a thousand times, you think you're going to exhaust him by hearing the same message 10,000 times? No, because he's so big and he's so deep, you're not going to exhaust how much is actually in there. One time I was preaching a message, really, really quick story just to finish that little uh, section there. One time I was preaching a message on healing in South Carolina in Cheraw. And uh, I did, I think it was the ABCs of healing. It was like when, you know, Pastor Brian, before Br Pastor Brian was a pastor, uh, when he was just started preaching and he didn't know much. We'll say it that way. I was not going to say it as nice, but that's a good way to put it. Um, he didn't know much. He didn't know, I didn't know much. I knew a few things. I knew a few basics. The funny thing was, we had people healed there. Why? Because you just bring the basics of God's love to people, they'll get healed. There was a girl there. She was having um, um, convulsions constantly. And uh, we prayed for her. She stopped having convulsions just like that, and they didn't come back. And uh, we had several different things where people got healed. I was a young, you know, wet-behind-the-ears minister, barely knew anything. But I knew about God's love. I knew about His goodness. But I had a recording of that, and about five years ago, uh, that, that's been probably 15 years ago now, and about five years ago, I felt led by the Holy Ghost to go get that message and listen to it. And so I went and listened to that message, and I was impressed. I was like, man, that's pretty good. But then I hit this one section, and uh, I said something on the recording, and, and I went, stop! I stopped the playing, and I went, what in the world? I said, what I just said on that recording, I did not know then. I didn't know it. Because I remember when that revelation came, and it was a long time after that. I did not know that. So I was speaking by the Holy Ghost stuff I didn't even know. So in my mind, I had this level but I was actually speaking this level and I didn't even know I had said it. But then after I learned it, I came back and I'm looking back at it going, that was a level I didn't even have knowledge of. So I'm the one speaking and didn't even know the different levels that was in there. There was levels and layers of God's goodness that's in his word. When you have somebody who's preaching by the love and by the word of God, you'll have stuff that you don't even realize is in there. And that's why we can't get weary and well-doing. And just because you think you've heard a message before doesn't mean that you should shut down and say, well, I've heard this before. No, you esteem and honor the things of God and he will honor you. Amen. So let's esteem them as we finish this. So Romans 8, 1, this is the verse we read. Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. None. Now, it's not talking about people outside of Christ Jesus, but the ones who are in Christ, the ones who are born again, who are saved. There's no condemnation left for you. Now, does that mean that the devil will never try to give you condemnation? 
No, he'll try, but will you accept it? Say it with me. Say, no, I'm not accepting condemnation. There's none left for me. Amen. Now, let's go down uh, to verse 14, continuing to look at uh, fear and his love. Verse 14 and 15. For all who are being led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. For all who are being led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. So let me ask you this question. God is love. Perfect love cast out all fear. There is no fear in love. The Holy Spirit is God. Will the Holy Spirit ever, ever lead you to fear? No. He's never going to lead you to fear. You realize he can't? So one of the things that you can recognize is as soon as fear comes, that ain't God. That's not God. And then once you start to recognize that and kind of put that in absolute terms, you'll start to realize, and I'm not to have any part with it. I don't need anything. I've been struggling enough without taking on something that's not God in my life. I don't want to add any more weight to it. No, I'm not having any part with that fear. Now, then it says this, verse 15. For you have not received a spirit of slavery leading to fear again. You've not received a spirit of slavery. You see, fear is a taskmaster. Fear puts us in bondage. It's not healthy for a mom. It's not healthy to fear a storm. It's not healthy to do that. All these things that the world would tell you, it's not a health. There is no such thing as a healthy fear. Health is God. Fear is not. They they don't go together. Wisdom. Now that's healthy. Wisdom comes from God. But it's not healthy. Because fear puts you in bondage and Jesus came to set you free. He came for you to have freedom. For you, you have not received a spirit of slavery leading to fear again, but you have received... A spirit of adoption as sons by which we cry out, Abba, Father. In other words, when fear tries to come knocking at your door, our response should be, Oh, there's no way that fear has any place in my life because while fear is trying to get me to cry out in terror, here's what I'm doing. I have been adopted and I'm crying out, loving daddy, loving father. Oh, there's no way that thing knocking at my door, that fear knocking at my door can do anything to me because you are so loving to me. So we don't cry out, oh no, what's going to happen? We cry out, ha, Lord, you're so loving. That doesn't have a chance. That's what it's showing. It's silly that it's even trying. But see, do you understand that it's not silly to a whole lot of Christians 
that say that they're Christians and walking by the book. No, they think that fear is normal because they haven't learned who God really is. But when they start to realize who he is, what will happen is they'll say, oh my goodness, that was the wrong way to go about life. Well, what I should be doing is going, Abba, Father, you love me so much. Not, oh no, what am I going to do? Right? It's the wrong thing, not out of fear. He's showing us this is the way it should be. So now we've got to humble ourselves to the way God says it should be, not humble ourselves to the world that says you should be scared of that storm. That's malarkey. It's wrong. But the world believes it. But we won't believe that. Because we serve one who's greater. And he loves us and he's adopted us as his children and he's greater than that storm. He can stall that storm and pull it down to nothing, completely dissolve it before it hits the shores. He can do those things. He can stop that thing from coming over your house. And he will for the one who knows who they are in Christ. He will. He will. God is the exact opposite of fear. God is not located in the place of fear. If we choose a road of fear, God is not located there. It's not that fear won't try to get you off path. It will. But it's that we need to make sure we choose God. Lord, you love me. I'm not choosing fear. And what does that look like? Can you imagine going on the highway of life and you're heading towards godly things, but then all of a sudden there's these exit signs and it's trying to get you, stop now, you're about to run out of gas. If you don't stop now, you know, if you don't stop now, you're, you know, and here's what it looks like. It's trying to get you off of God's road. You got plenty of fuel. You got plenty of love for the tank, right? You have everything that you need. Fear's trying to do anything it can to get you off path. Because as long as you're on the road that God has you on, he can't touch you. But if he can get you off by yourself in the place of fear, that's where he has authority. Because that fear out here, when we take that exit of fear, all of a sudden what we've done is we've canceled the manifestation of God's power in our life. So we cannot, and listen, it doesn't mean that we just act on it. It can just be what we're thinking about. You thinking on the things of fear can lead to the power of God diminishing. And you've got to make sure that you take control even of your thoughts. What do those exit signs look like? They look like a bad report from the doctor. It looks like a, a, you know, a notice in the mail about your bank account. It looks like a job that all of a sudden was been solid for so many years and all of a sudden now it's not there because that job is not your source. God is your source. Your job is not the one that loves you. God loves you. It looks like so many things and a lot of times they're just very slight. It looks like headlines, uh, you know, talking about the weather, how big it is and how bad it is. Are you trying to tell me that thing is bigger than God? A lot of people are trying to tell you that. That's what you have to understand. They're not motivated by the love of God. They're motivated by the world and its system. There's so many things trying to get you to exit because of fear. Because the devil knows if he can get you to exit, think on fear, meditate on fear, all of a sudden the power of God and his protection will diminish and drop in your life and then he can attack you. And you've got to recognize him for what he is. He's a jerk. He's a bully. What do you do with bullies? 
You deal with them. The one thing they respect. Listen, a bully does not care how much you read your Bible. A bully does not care how much revelation you got. A bully respects one thing, power. One thing, power. And your power is locked up in revelation about how much God loves you. It's locked up in how much he loves you. And when he tries to tell you that that God doesn't love you anymore because you did this and that and everything, all he's trying to do is get you to take an exit, to get you away from that love because right now he can't touch you. Because here's the thing, if he could touch you, he would have already, but he can't. He can't. He's trying to trick you to get you away from the love so he can. The temptation itself shows that you've been basically heading the right direction when it comes to fear. When, what to do when fear tries to come? Number one, trust him. I'm going to go through these quickly, but just show them to you. What to do when fear tries to come? Number one, trust him. Jesus came to destroy fear. First uh, John 3, 8, right? It says, the Son of God was manifested for this purpose, to destroy the works of the devil, to destroy fear. Fear is a work of the devil. He was manifested to destroy its works. Luke uh, 1, 73 through 75. This was Zechariah. This was the son of, or the dad of John the Baptist, right? And uh, he uh, didn't believe that God was going to do what he was going to do. And he, was, he uh, couldn't talk for a while. All of a sudden, he did what the Lord told him to do. And the power of God hit him. He could talk again. And all of a sudden, he starts prophesying. This is what he prophesied about Jesus, about the Savior. He said, the oath which he, talking about God, the oath which God swore to Abraham our father to grant us that we, being rescued from the hand of our enemies, might serve him without fear in holiness, righteousness, before him all our days. In other words, he sent Jesus so that he might rescue us from our enemies and serve him with how much fear? None. With no fear. Serve him without fear. Why? How can we operate with no fear? Because we know who's got us. We know whose we are. We know the love of God. Because I've been adopted. We've been adopted as his sons and daughters. And not one thing can the devil do when we are in the hands and the love of God. We've been adopted. So we can serve him without fear. Ever, ever. That's what Jesus was manifested for. We've got to learn to trust him at his word. You realize that fear comes from a lack of knowledge of who he is. The more we get to know about God, the more we can kick fear to the curb. And we may know it here in our head, but we've got to drop that down to some revelation in our heart. Psalms 56, 2 through 4. My foes have trampled, trampled upon me all day long, for they, there are many who fight proudly against me. When I am afraid, I will put my trust in you. It's not that fear won't try to come. It's what do you do when it comes? I'll put my trust in you, Lord. You came so I could serve you without fear. That, therefore, it must be possible. And so now when fear tries to come, when I am afraid, here's what I'll do. I'll trust in you. I'll trust you. 
I'll trust you above the biggest headline of fear life ever presents me. I'll trust you. This is what saw the power of God released into Abigail's life when miraculously she gets completely healed. When we have to hand her over as a baby to the doctors, this trust in God, you know, how will all the details work out? I don't know, but I trust in God's love. That's what released the power of God. Everybody around us fretting, fearful, we're, we're being the light. People are talking about how can they have the light? How can they have this hope? How can they have this Because we know our God, and when fear tries to come, we will trust in Him. Yeah, we'll trust in Him. Why? Because He's trustworthy. It's who he is. My foes have trampled me upon, upon me all day long, for they are many who fight proudly against me. When I am afraid, I will put my trust in you. In God, whose word I praise. In God, I have put my trust. I shall not be afraid. What can mere man do to me? What can mere man do to me? What can this world do to me? What can it do when God loves It can't. The devil will have the same testimony that he had about Job until Job moved to fear. He'll have the same testimony. You have a hedge of protection around them, Lord, and I can't touch them. I can't touch them. You have a hedge. I can't touch them. It's a great testimony until fear got in. I will not fear, but I will trust in him. Psalm 55, 22 Cast your burden upon the Lord and He will sustain you. He will never allow the righteous to be shaken. You recognize the righteous are the ones who do the right things? See, if I go to fear, am I being righteous? No, I'm being ungodly if I go to fear. We've already proven that. But if I will stay away from fear and trust in the Lord, I, I walk in that righteousness. He says, the righteous will not be shaken. The righteous will not be shaken. Psalm 37, 5, commit your way to the Lord. Trust also in Him and He will do it. He will do it. Now see, when you read this as an absolute, this is how it works then all of a sudden you start to see the power in it. But if you just read that and you're just quoting scripture, but it, you got it in your head, but you don't have it in your heart, these just become powerless words. But when you will engage your heart to believe this, and you will engage your heart, trust also in Him, He will do it. All of a sudden, the power that's in those words, the power that's in that scripture, it's released in your life to protect you, to hold you up, to give you that future, to bring about the goodwill of the Lord, to bring about His love, to manifest the supernatural power of God. Trust in Him. He will do it. He will do it. Hebrews 13, 5 through 8. Make sure that your character is free from the love of money, being content with what you have. For he himself has said, I will never desert you, nor will I ever forsake you. I'll never desert you. I'll never forsake you. This is a promise that we have. If we really believe this promise, how in the world could we move to fear? But that's just it. We don't really believe it. That's the issue. We don't really know Him like that. And that's when we give fear a foothold. And we've got to back up and say, is this true or is God lying? Is it true or is He lying? It's true. 
And he loves you. And when we will do that, we will not give place to fear. And we'll see the results of a father and a savior who will never leave us or forsake us. So that we will confidently say, the Lord is my helper. I will not be afraid. What will man do to me? Remember those who led you, who spoke the word of God to you. And consider, considering the result of their conduct, imitate their faith. In other words, the people that are around you that you saw standing in faith and not giving way to fear and you saw the results in their life and you saw God come through time after time after time. Do what they did. When they were following God right, imitate their faith. If you see me standing in a way and it builds up your faith, remember those things and say, I'm going to do it the way he did. He trusted the Lord. It was absolute love to him. There was no place for fear. He didn't let fear. You've heard me say it so many times. Learn the emotion of fear and then deal with it, right? You've got to learn. Something's got to click in your brain. When fear comes up, you go, oh, that's fear. I'm not having any part of that. You've got to have a mind that's set so that when fear comes, it springs a trap. You wake up and say, oh, that's fear. Not having any part with that. God's not in it. I'm going to be found in God. I trust him. So when you see somebody that lives like that and has results, not just people that talk about it, like they actually move in the power of God. Imitate them. Do what they do. Remember those who led you, who spoke the word of God to you, and consider the result of their conduct. Imitate their faith. Why? Because Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, today, and forever. The way that he was real to them, he'll be real to you. Number one, trust God. Number two, strengthen yourself. When fear comes knocking, strengthen yourself in the Lord. 1 Samuel 30, verse 6. Moreover, listen to this. Moreover, David was greatly distressed because the people spoke of stoning him. That's a great day. (laughs) Lord, they're talking about killing me. He's the leader. He's the great king. The the king that will be spoken about for all these times. And the people are talking about stoning him. That's what you want to wake up to each morning, right? Hey, there's rumors they're going to kill me. Yay! So happy to be leading this people that wants to kill me. I would say that's generally worse than most of the days that we've faced fear. Look at what he did when he faced this bad time. He was greatly distressed, for all the people were embittered, each one because of his sons and his daughters. But David strengthened himself in the Lord his God. In other words, he looked to the Lord and he found strength. He didn't keep looking at the people who wanted to stone him. He looked to the Lord. He didn't keep looking at the wind and the waves. He looked to Jesus, right? And look at here, 2 Timothy 1, 6 and 7. It says, for this reason, this will sound, the wording sounds similar. For this reason, I remind you to kindle afresh the gift of God, which is in you by the laying on of hands. In the King James, it says, stir up the gift. Stoke the fire. Get it going again. Get it going again. For God has not given us a spirit of timidity or a spirit of fear, but a power and of love and a sound and disciplined mind. Right? Now, here's the thing. This stir up the gift, most scholars will agree when it says stir up the gift, they're talking about praying in the Holy Ghost. 
When you're filled with the Spirit, you have the prayer language of praying in tongues, stirring up the gift. What's the gift? It's the gift that was in them by the laying on of hands. It says, start, when you're feeling like fear's beating you down, start praying in the Holy Ghost. Start stirring up that gift. Stir up. Stoke the fire of the Holy Ghost inside of you. Stir up the wells of the rivers of living water on the inside of you. Start getting, strengthen yourself in God. Start strengthening yourself. This is why you hear me talking about you're going through a bad time. How much are you praying in the Holy Ghost? Pray in the Holy Ghost. It is a gift from God and it's there for a purpose. Stir up the gift. Get it going. It's amazing how you will feel strengthened because a key to beating back fear is to strengthen yourself in Him. It's amazing how strengthened you will feel when you start praying in the Holy Spirit. Pray. You'll find, I've found throughout the years, that most of the people that walk in temptations and fall, and they walk and they're fearful and they're, and they're weak, uh, I'll ask them, and I've just found as a trend, how much are you praying in the Holy Spirit? Not hardly at all, if at all. But the ones who will pray often in the Spirit, pray in the Spirit at all times, like the Word says and commands us to, pray in the Spirit at all times. It says, I've found those people, they're constantly walking on the tip tops of the mountains. They're constantly walking in the power of God. Why? Because they've stirred up the gift. They've strengthened themselves. And when that fear comes, they're like, nope, boom. And they just blow it back because the love of God so flowing inside of them. That fear tries to find something it can't. There's so much positive pressure that's coming out of them. The glory of God. Fear's got no place to hang on. It's got no place for a fingernail hold or a toenail hold. It's the power of God. Stir up the gift. Stir up the gift. Strengthen yourself in Him. When fear comes, trust Him. Strengthen yourself in Him. Three, humble yourself to His love. 1 Peter 5, 5. You younger men likewise be subject to your elders and all. You clothe yourself with humility towards one another. God is opposed to the proud, but He gives grace. He empowers you. He gives you favor. To the humble. Humble yourself to the things of God. To his love. And it says humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God. That he may exalt you at the proper time. Now a lot of people see humility and humble yourself. They're like. And they think that what I'm about to do is humility. It's not. A lot of times what will happen is somebody will come under attack and they'll go, Oh God, I just humbled myself before you. And if you would just fix this, then I know it will be great. I know you can, Lord. Please just fix this, Lord. No, that's not humility. Because he's already told you to do that a different way and that wasn't it. Humility is to look at the promises of God, see the scripture, and then it's to apply it the way that he tells us to apply it. He says, you resist the devil and he will flee. You get in there, study to show yourself to approve. You stir up the gift. In other words, he wants you to put on Jesus. He wants you to stir up God on the inside of you. And he wants the power. It doesn't, it's not like this. 
It's not where God says, oh, look, my child, he can't do anything. Let me come down there and let me beat back the devil for him. No, that's not what he's saying. When you look at the full counsel of the word, he says this. Oh, no, look, my child is down there and the devil's trying to get, uh, get him. He says, and he starts to remind you if you're listening in humility. Son, daughter... Stir up the gift that is within you. Be strong. You are adopted as my child. In other words, when you start to do that, it's not God moving down here and handling it all for you and you do nothing. It's you do what the Word says and the power of God will flow into you and you will operate the way that Jesus did. As He is, so are we in this world. It's not him coming down here and handling everything. It's you taking on the spiritual responsibility to be the son or daughter of God that he's called you to be. Then all of a sudden you'll be that person. And all of a sudden the devil will not know what to do with you. And that's a good thing. Humble yourself to his love. So it's not becoming the humble weakling. It's becoming the man or the woman of God that he's called you to be, empowering you with his love to be who, you, who God has called you to be. Humble yourself to his love. Those verses go on to part four. Humble yourself to his love, part four. Cast your cares and anxieties on him. Uh, verse seven, 1 Peter 5, 7. Casting all your anxiety, all your cares on him because he cares for you. In other words, when anxiety comes, humility is not to say, when fear comes, oh God, it just looks so bad. The storm looks so bad. No, it says, take your anxiety, right? Uh, let me do it this way. Uh, Jadis, will you come here again? Glory to God. And let's say, I need, uh, let me see your bag. What a nice bag. <laughs> Amen. So let's stand right here. So let's say that Jadis is Jesus. Right? And, and what it's saying is, oh, all of a sudden I have this weight that's come on me, right? I have this weight that's come on me through fear. It says, cast all your cares, all your anxieties on him. So what it's saying is this. It says, here's this weight of fear, this weight of anxiety. You weren't designed to carry it. Give it to him. This is what humility does. Humility doesn't say, let me show you how big of a Christian I am. How big of a Christian I am. You know, that, that's what happens when we try. No, no. Here's what happens. We say, Lord, you, you got mail. Here. I'm not carrying it. You carry it. You've already paid for it. You've already paid the price. I'm already in your love. I, re, I refuse to carry it. I give it to you. And look, it, here's the thing. He says, Cast your cares on him. Why? Because he cares for you. And I've learned to say it like this. Can't nobody care for you better than Jesus can care for you, including yourself. I can't care for me better than Jesus can care for me. He can carry the weight. He can carry the care. He can carry the anxiety and worry better than I ever can. In other words, he can handle the problem that I could never handle on my own. So why would I try to carry it in the first place? It's pride for me to say, oh, no, Jesus, I'll carry this better. Here, give me the weight. Oh, the devil's just waiting for somebody to do that. 
Jesus, you just got too much going on. I mean, you can go handle other people in the body, you know. How stupid. Dumb. No. You realize he's already carried it all. He carried it on that cross. Why don't I put it on the cross where it goes and me be free? He's already done it. He cared for me enough that he gave his life. And in his life, he carried everything that I ever would ever, 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 ever need to be carried. Why would I pick something back up? It's not right. It's the wrong way of handling it. I'm not going to carry any care. I'm not going to carry any anxiety. I'm not going to carry any worry because he cares for me better than I could ever care for myself. It would be prideful for me to try to. Fear has no place. Amen. Thank you. Cast your cares and your anxiety on him. Now listen, it's very interesting. What happens if you don't do that? Look at the very next verse. Your adversary, the devil. Your adversary, the devil. Be be of sober spirit. Be on the alert. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. What's he looking for? He's looking for the one who'll try to carry it by themselves. He's looking for the one who'll go be an island and not call other people, right? He's looking for somebody who will not humble themselves to help, but they'll constantly try to carry it. They'll worry. Well, it's smart to worry. You know, it's a healthy worry. No, it's not. It's a deadly worry. The devil's looking for that person. And if we will be that person that operates in fear, operates in anxiety, operates in worry, that's the one the devil can devour. He says, but don't do that. Humble yourself. Resist him firm in the faith, knowing that the same experience is suffering and being accomplished. In other words, other people are going through some stuff, but it's working out right for them, right? It's working out right by your brethren who are in the world. After you have suffered for a little while, the God of all grace, who called you to his eternal glory in Christ, will himself, listen to this, perfect you confirm, strengthen, and establish you. And listen, even if you feel a little bit of the weight of it, it's easy, it's light. The suffering that it's talking about is not you believing God that you're going to be taking stripes on your back so you can suffer for Jesus. No, it's saying, Lord, whatever I face, it'll be fine. And I might go through something for a little bit. I might dig some foundations up. But in the end, this thing's going to be built up, perfected, confirmed, strengthened, and established. I'm going to be who you call me. It's going to work out awesome because I won't carry the care of it. I'll cast that care on you. I'll roll that weight over onto your shoulders and I'll walk free of it. Your yoke is easy. Your burden is light. I'm going to walk in your love for me. I'm not going to act like I'm some super spiritual thing supposed to carry everything for everybody. That's nonsense. I'm going to humble myself to you. Cast your cares and anxiety. So when, what to do when fear comes? Trust him. Strengthen yourself in him. Humble yourself to his love. Cast your cares and anxiety on them. Five, think only on things worthy of praise. Philippians 4.4, 4, rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. Let your gentle spirit be known to all men. The Lord is near. 
Be anxious for nothing but in everything by prayer and supplication. With thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. When you do this, the peace of God, which surpasses all comprehension, will guard your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus. Finally, brethren, whatever is true, honorable, right, pure, lovely, of good report, if there's any excellence, and hear this, if there's anything worthy of praise, dwell on these things or think on these things. I love it because he wraps it up right there. He basically says this, if it's not worthy of praise, don't think about it. If it's not worthy of praise, don't think about it. In other words, don't give it a second of thought. Don't give it a second. It may try to come. You may see the exit sign. But as soon as you do, just turn away. I'm not even having anything to do with fear. If it doesn't make me raise my hands to praise God for His goodness and His love, I'm not thinking on it. So five, don't think on anything of fear. Think on things only worthy of praise. Verse 9. The things that you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things and the God of peace will be with you. Has anybody ever felt the fear of this world? Anybody ever felt the fear of the world? And the pressure of it? And in that you said, I just need some peace. He just told us how to have that. If we will think on things worthy of praise, we will make him our source. We'll have peace, and that peace will guard our hearts. It'll keep us. It'll keep us steady. It'll keep us strong. It'll keep us built up. Number six, put fear in its place. 2 Corinthians 10.3 says, For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. So you may think that the reality that you're looking at is the bill that's due. You may think that the reality that you're looking at is the bad report from the doctor. You may think that the reality that you're looking at is the storm trying to come in. You may see fear try to present itself in so many different ways. But this right here says the reality that you're looking at is not actually the reality. Because though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. In other words, the reality is not rooted in what you see. The reality is rooted in spiritual things, and God loves you. That's the spiritual thing. The reality is the fear that's trying to come, not actually the thing. It's the fear that's associated with it. For the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but divinely powerful for the destruction of fortresses. We are destroying speculations And every lofty thing, listen to this wording, every lofty thing raised up against the knowledge of God. And we are taking every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. In other words, what happens is fear comes in. And let's say that we have this base knowledge of God's goodness and his love, right? We have this, all right, God loves us. He cares for us. 
He saved us. He wants to heal us, to prosper us. Beloved, above all things, I wish that you prosper and be in health, even as your soul prosper. We have this base knowledge of God. And then some fear comes in and says, God loves me. He's got a plan for me. He's got a future for me. And then all of a sudden, here comes this storm. It's going to kill you. It's going to try and wipe you out. You won't, you're going to die. You won't have any future. And what's happening is the fear and its tactics are trying to say, this is more important than God's love. Pridefully, it's trying to raise itself, to loft itself above the word of God and get you to focus on it. But the word says this, when something tries to come above the love of God, when it tries to come above his character and his nature, you've got to grab a hold of that thing, take it captive and cast it down. You can't leave it sitting there. So see, humility would say, oh Lord, please come help. That's what the world would say, humility. But real humility does this. No, you don't have a right to present yourself higher than God. God loves me. If God is for me, who can be against me? The things that I see, I will operate in according to the word, not according to what I see in this world. I will operate according to his promise. Watch what it says. We are destroying speculations and every lofty thing raised up. It's raising itself. You realize fear is trying to set itself on the throne higher than God's love. It's attempting to dethrone God wow. in your life. And it says when you have something that is lofty like that and trying to become more lofty like fear... You've got to deal with it. You destroy that speculation. It's speculating. Ah, could this be true that even though God loves you, I could still kill you with a hurricane? Could that be true? See, it's speculating. Many people believe it because they're thinking on the wrong thing. And they don't know the word in their heart. They might know it in their mind, but they don't know it in their heart. And so this thing is speculating, trying to get you to speculate. And it's trying to raise itself, dethrone God in your life, in your thoughts, and in your heart. That's good. And you've got to take that thought captive. You can't let it stay there. You let it stay there, you're giving in to it. You've got to take that thought captive. What happened when the thought came through Peter to Jesus? Jesus said, I've got to go to Jerusalem. I've got to finish the work. And, Jesus, and then Peter said, please, Jesus, don't go do that. Don't go kill him. He says, get behind me, Satan. Why? Because there was a thought that was trying to raise itself higher than what the Father had already spoken to Jesus. And he dealt with it right then. He wouldn't even let the thought enter his mind. He says, we are destroying speculations and every lofty thing raised up against the knowledge of God. See, with proper knowledge of God, we will recognize the attempts to dethrone him in our mind. With proper knowledge of God, because the fear and these things, they will come in against the knowledge of God and try to raise itself higher. It says, we... <coughs> we uh, take captive. We are destroying speculations. Every lofty thing raised up against the knowledge of God. And we are taking every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. In other words, we're going to make every thought come into line with his love for us. With his protection. With his salvation. And bring it into obedience. And we are ready to punish all disobedience. 
Whenever your obedience is complete. In other words, when I get to the place where I recognize who God is and how much he loves me, I'm dealing with that thought and I will not let it linger and I will put it in its right place. I will put that thought in its right place. You can go back to hell uh, right along with the person who sent you. No, you can't stay here. Get behind me, get below me, but you're not staying on the throne in my thought process because I will not put up with fear. If God's not in it, I'm not putting up with it. Verse 7, watch this. 7. You are looking at things as they are outwardly. If anyone is confident in himself that he is Christ, let him consider this again within himself or inwardly. Just that as he is Christ, so also are we. In other words, he's saying the problem that you've been having is you keep looking at things with your eyes instead of considering whose you are on the inside and who God said you were. You've been considering the physical instead of taking into consideration within your spirit that you are God's. He loves you. He died for you to save you. Who can separate you from the love of God? Who can harm you? Who can pull you down? Who can destroy you if you are God's? Who can break through God's hedge of protection? No one can. Who is not kept by the Father in this world. They might be in this world, but they are kept from Jesus' prayer. When you will start to consider that in the inner man, in the inside, in the spirit, instead of looking at things, headlines and reports and, and bills, and you start looking at things on the inside and looking at the promises that God's given you, he said, you'll take every one of those thoughts captive, you'll cast it down, and you'll start walking on top. Amen. God's got a good plan to give you a future and a hope. But fear is his enemy. And fear is your enemy. Worry, anxiety, because it cannot stand up to the love of God. And we will, when we will give ourselves to the love of God, fear will not have a place. I want to pray right now. If you've dealt with fear, if you've had moments in your life where, you, where fear has just eaten your lunch... And you are, you're done with that. And you want to say, look, he's not giving me a spirit of fear, but a power and love and a sound and disciplined mind. And you say, the days of fear in my life are over. If that's you and you want the days of fear to be over in your life, I just ask you to come right now. I just ask you, let me pray for you and we're going to take authority over every bit of that fear. You are loved by God. You are His child. He's poured out everything for you because He never wanted to see fear destroy your life. He never wanted to see fear take you down one inkling of a percent. He wanted to see you full and whole. Lord, we receive your love. Just say it with me right now. Just say, Father, I'm done with fear. I receive your love. Fear will never rule me again. Yeah. Lord, I receive your love. Just say it. Just receive it right now. Just, just as you say it, imagine. Just see the Lord pouring down his love. You might not be able to see it with your physical eyes, but you'll be able to feel it. Lord, I receive your love. 
Oh, it, it, it manhandles fear. I receive your love right now. Yeah, Lord. If you need fear dealt with, like you feel like I can't, I can't do it alone. If you need fear dealt with, come on up. We're going to deal with that spirit of fear. It's a spirit. Have you ever noticed? Listen, I've noticed dealing with spirits, with demonic stuff, and even good spiritual things, even angelic things. I've noticed there's always almost, it seems like, there's almost always great big emotion that accompanies it. When a spirit's on you, or trying to affect you, it's almost like you can't help yourself. I can't help but fear. I can't help it. It just comes on me and I can't do anything about it. That's what you'll think. Now that's not true, but that's the way it feels. At the same time, when the Holy Ghost comes on you, it's like nothing can stop you. It works the same way, just in reverse. Like nothing can stop you. But when that spirit of fear comes on you, it's like you can't see anything in. And listen, it may even be saying right now, like I can't even get up out of my chair. But you can. If right now you just want somebody to come and walk with you and you're, you're sitting there, even if you're at home, you want somebody to come, just help me get up there. I know I need freedom. I know I need it. Just raise your hand right now and y'all take note. If anybody does that, just go walk with them. Be, be their friend. Be their support. Be the body, the hands in the body of Christ. I need to get up there. I need to be free from fear forever. Come now, and if you don't feel like you can come, just raise your hand right where you sit. I need freedom. If that's you, I need freedom now. Just raise your hand. At home, do the same thing. Just raise your hand. I need your help, Lord. I can't do this by myself. And if that's you, you find yourself, I got to get up there. You come on up. Even if, you know, if I start praying, but you're not up here yet, you don't have to wait. Just come on. Fear is an enemy of God and it's a bully. Don't let it bully you anymore. You got the spirit of Christ in you. Lord, we just receive your love right now. We receive your love. Thank you, Father, for your goodness. Come on up if you need to come up. That's a great big victory. That's a great big victory. Glory to God. We'll just praise God with you for his freedom. Now, when I pray for you, when I put, you remember it said, stir up the gift that you received by the laying on of hands. That's because we are carriers of the power of God. That power that you stir up will beat back fear. Well, that same power can be released like it was when he said you received it by the laying on of hands. So when I lay hands on you, I want you to know that right then that power is broken in your life and the power of God's going to hit you. You may feel it physically, you may not, but you right now say, Father, I believe that this spirit of fear will be put down and I will never give it place again. But you are empowering me to be your child, to be full, 
to be whole and to not beat up by fear again. And I receive your love to be who you call me to be. In Jesus' name. Hey, hey,